Well, back in 1963, uh, singer Andy Williams put out an album for Christmas, a Christmas album that was appropriately entitled The Andy Williams Christmas Album. <laughs> Does anybody put out albums anymore? Or do we just release things to the cloud and the interwebs? Wow, that went over like a lead balloon. <laughs> the first song, or one of the songs on Andy Williams' 1963 Christmas album was It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year. Can anyone sing that? Yes. Right? Yeah. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Now, what's the next line, though, huh? Yeah. With the, jing the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you to be of good cheer. Wow, someone is a Christmas music nerd. That's nice. That's good. It's the most wonderful time of year. And, and we shouldn't be too surprised. Andy Williams didn't actually write this song. It was written by Edward Pola and George Weil. And the song itself, it just goes on to celebrate why it is that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It celebrates a variety of activities in this hap happiest season of all. Being with loved ones, toasted marshmallows, caroling, and mistletoeing. And the song ends with the refrain. Prissy, do you know the last refrain? Oh. Okay, well, it ends with this. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing. Anybody ever mistletoed? I've never mistletoed. Don has. Don's like a little sheepish <laughs> little grin. Yeah, I did a little mistletoeing in my... That's right, Prissy. There will be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. Clearly, we're talking about family. We're talking about friends. Get it? Loved ones, family, friends. Oh, gosh. You guys are a hard crowd tonight. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. The Christmas season is the most wonderful time of the year. And while Pola and Wiles' song points out several reasons why, I think we don't have to work too hard to realize they miss the single greatest reason the Christmas season is the most wonderful time of the year because they miss the coming of the light into the world. This evening, we heard uh, these wonderful words from the prophet Isaiah from the ninth chapter of his book. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. What a wonderfully appropriate scripture for Christmas, that most wonderful time of the year, as it looks forward to the coming of Jesus, the light of the world. And so this evening, let's spend a few minutes together thinking about the wonderful Christmas season as we look at the ideas of dark and the ideas of light. And let's see scripturally, biblically, why it is that Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. First, let's ask the question, what is the darkness? Isaiah tells us the people who walked in darkness, and there was a land of deep darkness. In the scriptures, the, the dark or darkness is often symbolic of both evil and ignorance, often used to refer to the moral corruption of humanity. It points to the realization that, that we as humans are sinners born in and born to sin. We're born in darkness. Like the Grinch, uh, our human hearts are two sizes too small. We love the wrong things, namely we love ourselves above any and all 
else. In fact, just a few verses before our passage from Isaiah 9 and that promise of the light, there's a devastating diagnosis. In Isaiah chapter 8, verses 19 through 22, there's this description of the activities of the people of Israel. And it goes a long way to help us consider how deep darkness was for them and how deep darkness is for us. And it also, by looking at the darkness, we see how great the coming of the light truly is and why the celebration of the coming of the light is indeed the most wonderful time of the year. In the latter half of chapter 8, the prophet Isaiah, he declares his intention to wait upon the Lord, to be patient, to serve the Lord and be loyal to Him, then trust in Him, even while the people of Israel inquire of mediums and necromancers, verse 19, speak contemptuously against God, verse 21, and look to the earth where they will find only distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. And chapter 8 ends with this sentence, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So this darkness that the light is breaking in upon in Isaiah chapter 9 is explained and declared at the end of chapter 8. These folks, these people of Israel, were speaking contemptuously against God. They're blaspheming God. That's pretty dark. They were inquiring of mediums and necromancers. They were looking to experts and magic. That's pretty dark. They were looking to the earth. One scholar commented about this portion of Isaiah and says, they're looking toward the earth and the human resources to fix the world. They're looking to their experts, to the mystics, to the scholars for solutions. Yes, they say, we are in darkness, but we can overcome it ourselves. And so what's added to, then, the moral corruption is willful ignorance and a self-centered, self-seeking trust to fix the self. What Roman Catholic scholar Daniel Mahoney would refer to as the idol of self, the religion of humanity. And that pretty well describes not just Israel in Isaiah's day, but it very well describes our current world condition, doesn't it? We do not have the adequate knowledge to fix our problems, to save ourselves from the problems, even while we are convinced that we can. Historically, the Enlightenment and the cultural mood of modernism depended upon the thought that humanity could solve its problems through the proper application of knowledge, that humanity would naturally progress through knowledge and technique and thus save itself. And even though this driving philosophy of life has proven to be fraudulent, it has clung tenaciously to the psyche of the Western world. For example, when a 35-year-old woman wrote to Polly, an advice columnist, about her wasted and lost life, all Polly could tell her to do was to find the solution within herself. All Polly could tell this poor woman who signed her letter haunted to do was to basically double down and try harder at the very things that got her to admit that her life was ghost-like in the first place. Haunted by sin, haunted by ignorance, we are a people of darkness, and the world is the home of darkness. It is the home of disorder, the home of evil, the home of ignorance. It was made by God, it was made for God, but the world is disordered as it is not what it was supposed to be. Full of injustice, full of violence, oppression, and broken families, hopeless in its grief, the world is helpless to fix itself. In our darkness, 
we need help from the outside. We need the help of God himself. And here it is. This is why Christmas is the greatest season of all, the most wonderful time of year. That which we most desperately need, God graciously provides. In our darkness, we need help from the outside, the help of God himself, which is exactly what God declares he will do in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. There's a solution to the darkness. It's found in the light that God provides. Where darkness is evil, light is pure and righteous. Where darkness is ignorance, light is knowledge and truth. The light dawns upon darkened humanity from the outside as it was provided by God himself. And thus, there is hope. And this is why Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. Mistletoeing is just bonus. (laughs) The light is not an abstract concept. Let's talk about the light. The light is not an abstract concept or a thought or a feeling. It is a personalized in a child. It's personalized in a son who will be born. The light is not something that human beings can gin up on our own. It must rather be received, must be given. The light and thus our salvation must come from outside of ourselves. And that's exactly what God promises to the prophet Isaiah when he says uh, to us a child is born to us a son is given before anything else we must recognize that the greatest benefit of the coming of the light is the very presence of the light itself you see darkness cannot stand in light by just showing up the light drives darkness back and so we say then that the light is the benefit the greatest benefit of his coming is the presence of the light himself and it's only from his enduring presence that the other benefits will flow we see here in isaiah chapter 9 that the presence of the light brings about what we would call a a great reversal he brings darkness to light he brings order to the chaos he brings healing to the brokenness he brings light into the dark notice what isaiah foretells when he writes You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. The light dawning. The child given brings with him numerical growth, pointing toward more and more people trusting in God and his promises. The light's coming brings an increase in joy and gladness. The light's coming lifts the yoke of oppression. The light's coming brings peace on earth. The birth of this child, the coming of the light into the darkness, reverses, undoes that which the darkness is and does. And the child that brings it comes with even more what another promise we read in isaiah chapter 9 of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end on the throne of david and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the lord of hosts will do it 
This child, the light that dawns, brings an eternal kingdom characterized by peace, justice, and righteousness. And why will all of this happen? How will a reversal come with the light? Because of who the child is. Because of who the light is and what he does. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The first title for this light child is Wonderful Counselor. The Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser has pointed out that the Hebrew word translated in our English versions as wonderful is used in reference to one who does hard, difficult even miraculous things. Nothing will be too hard for the light child. He will be the perfect counselor with perfect wisdom. The second title is Mighty God. In a number of places within the Old Testament, this is a title for Yahweh, the covenant God of Israel himself. Here it's applied to the given child. It points towards his power to accomplish his mission. It points to his divinity and his purposes will be complete. The third title is of everlasting father. This child is eternal. He has no beginning. He has no end. He will rule over his people as a father with loving protection and kindness. The final title given to the child is prince of peace. As king over his kingdom, his reign will be one of true peace. Not just the absence of warfare and fighting, but a positive condition of fullness of well-being. As the Prince of Peace, this child of light will rule over a kingdom of peace that is both horizontal, peace that is both horizontal and vertical. Horizontally, this child brings peace between humanity and humans, and vertically brings peace between God and His creation. Folks, this is almost too much to ask for. An individual who will rule and reign and will reverse the darkness, bringing order and truth and righteousness... An individual who is given from outside of humanity and yet who is born as a child within humanity, the one who will do everything that we need, given by God, blows away our wildest dreams. The truth of God blows away our wildest hopes. It's so amazing, so beyond what we can do as human beings that it can only be that God is the author of his salvation. He will do this, exactly as Isaiah points out. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is why Christmas is, the, is truly the most wonderful time of the year. It is a celebration of God inserting himself into the darkness to bring the light and to reverse our moral corruption and our ignorance. Pastor Tim Keller once told a story about Dorothy Sayers. She was an author who wrote a series of detective novels focused on her fictional character, Lord Peter Whimsey. Sayers' creation, Whimsey, was an aristocrat detective from the 1930s. He solved all kinds of crimes, and about halfway through her whimsy detective series, a new character suddenly shows up in the books, a woman named Harriet Vane, herself a female mystery writer and one of the very first women to get through Oxford in the character. Until that point in the series, whimsy was an unhappy, broken bachelor until Harriet Vane shows up 
and her love starts to heal his broken soul. It's interesting because Dorothy Sayers, like her fictional creation, was one of the first women to graduate from Oxford. Like Harriet Vane, Dorothy Sayers was a writer of mystery novels. Dorothy Sayers looked at her character, Lord Peter Whimsey, and saw that he needed someone to help him out. So who did she put in there? A detective novelist, a woman, and one of the first women to go through Oxford. Who was that? She put herself into her own stories. She looked into the world that she had created. She fell in love with the chief character, Peter Whimsey, and she wrote herself into the story so she could heal him. The promise of Isaiah chapter 9 is that God will write himself into the story of his creation in such a way that he will bring about healing, reversal, and restoration. He does it through the child that brings the light. Isaiah did not live to see the fulfillment of his prophecy, but fulfilled it was. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for him in the inn. God writes himself into the story of his creation to save. He does it through the coming of the light child, the dawning of the light in the darkness. He does it in the incarnation of the eternal Son of God, Jesus. This is the promised child. This is the wonderful counselor. This is the mighty God. This is the everlasting Father. This is the Prince of Peace. This is the light that has dawned and has driven back the darkness born to Mary. It is Jesus who is the light of the world, the promised child. He is the light whose presence to the darkened world is the greatest benefit. He is the righteous and holy one that drives back evil and defeats it as he destroys the darkness through his death and his resurrection. He is the outsider who can bring peace and justice and all the reversals that Isaiah looked and longed for. He is the one given for whom nothing is too hard. Jesus is the divine and mighty one who conquers sin and death, the devil and hell. Jesus is without beginning and end, who is the king of his people, ruling them like a good and loving father. And Jesus is the one through whom peace with God and with one another is found. Jesus is the light. And it's because of Jesus that this is the most wonderful time of the year. The benefits of the light are now available. We can live in the presence of the light of the world. We can now come into his kingdom as the reversal is now available. How might one procure them to oneself? How might one get that which the light has to offer? Simply this, by trusting in the light, by trusting in Jesus to be Savior and Lord, by seeking the presence of the light and acknowledging him. This is how St. John puts it in his gospel account. To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. This gives us meaning in the present, and this gives us hope for the future. The light has come, the light has dawned, but we live in a moment of history in which the fullness of his kingdom is yet to come. In his first coming, in his first advent, Jesus was born into the world in obscurity and poverty. 
He is the light of the world, make no mistake about it. But his first advent was the beginning, the inauguration of his kingdom through his crucifixion, his resurrection, and his ascension. This light of the world who came once, we are promised, will come again. And when he does, in his second advent, his kingdom will be fully consummated. The rule and the reign will be finished, so to speak. The promises of Isaiah will be completed as Jesus' kingdom will come and will stay. The delay between the advents of Christ, the delay in the coming of the fullness of the kingdom is actually grace. Grace that God's people be prepared and grace from God to his creation that men and women and boys and girls may know the light of the world, be redeemed from the darkness to live in the light. Pastor John Piper reflects on this when he writes, Christmas split history. Foretastes of the future abound. Drink deeply on what he achieved for us and be filled with hope for all that is coming. And so it is because of the light of the world in this most wonderful time of the year, we have hope. Life and light in the present, hope and light for the future. Darkness and evil and ignorance does not have the last word because the light has come. Jesus is the light of the world. Receive him, his presence, and receive life. Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. It's also very honest about what we need. It is the most wonderful time of the year as the light has dawned. And I've said this to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.